Welcome to Dream Loudly, an Impossible original show sponsored by the Dream Loudly Foundation. We, of course, are your hosts, Michael Lancaster and Bryce Stanhope. And we're going to start out this episode by basically going right into a story. And I'm actually going to start this one off, Bryce, of just with the title. Mm-hmm. And this could be one of the titles. So, your coach doesn't want you to fail. They just really, really don't want the team to fail. So, I'm going to start off with a story and then we'll just go from there. So, I was in a very, very prestigious ACC facility. We don't need to go over who the coach is, who the program is. This was years ago. And I was about to start a training session. I have a point guard and I have a shooting guard. We start working out. We have about 10 to 15 minutes into it. And all of a sudden, the coach comes onto the floor, doesn't know who I am, shuts the lights off on the workout, kicks me out of the facility, and just ends the whole workout. Now, I had been training in that facility for over a year, training the same point guard in that workout. When I said that coach doesn't know who I am, that's what he said. But I'd already met him numerous times. They'd already approved of me working out the point guard. I had met all the staff. And if you know about these facilities at all, they're surveillance. Yeah, they're locked down. So there's cameras on every single time I'm in there. I have been accepted and approved for over a year, working with the point guard with great results, what happened? That's a tough one. I mean, I, I think a lot of times in those situations, it's just obviously we both know coaches are very controlling. They want to have kind of their hand in a little bit of everything. But th- those situations are always so strange because I, I would think as a coach, you would be just pumped that your players are in the gym in general. And I think that's the biggest piece to it is like, I feel like coaches need to be more happy that their players are working on their game. And this is the topic. So I'm going to read it again. Your coach doesn't want you to fail. They just really, really don't want the team to fail. So what happened was that I had a point guard and a shooting guard and the shooting guard hadn't worked with me before. What was also interesting is there was another shooting guard. Both of these were known for just being some of the two most phenomenal three-point shooters mm-hmm in all of college basketball. And one didn't even feel comfortable jumping in the workout because he was afraid of that result right there. So all of a sudden, if we go back to that spot, I have a shooter in the gym and I'm giving that shooter ball handling, footwork, and the same things that were approved of for the college point guard. And when that coach saw his shooter doing things he did not want the shooter to do for that team, he pretended like he didn't know me, shut off the lights, kicked me out of the facility. And this is really an issue that happens. And I don't think people understand that coaches really have this mindset at the highest of levels where they will literally pick the team to this extent over a player's dream and yeah. goal of improving. And so I guess the, the beginning of this, of this show is just to basically raise awareness of this is a real issue. And we could go into the fact that you know, obviously the coach has a job too, and his job is to win. But how do players navigate through this? What are some situations, what are some good words of wisdom for players to understand? Your coach doesn't actually want you to get better if you're a role player. Yeah, and, and, and that's where we've talked about this in the past, the whole, you know, team versus dream, all these concepts with players. And I do, and this isn't hating on coaches at all, because they definitely obviously have to do a job, especially in this era. you got to win or else you're going to lose your job real quick. So I'm sure there, there's a tenseness to being a coach when it comes to that stuff. But at the same time, 
you know, I, I, I always hear coaches preaching a lot about stuff about, you know, doing what's best for players, you know, helping them grow as people. People are really obsessed with that concept of, you know, giving them life skills. But what's a, what's a bigger life skill than, than working on yourself? What's a bigger life skill than trying to, to make yourself better at something? And for, for a lot of players, you know, especially with the level we're talking about with an ACC coach, there's not a player on that roster that still doesn't hold on to the NBA dream. So if they're going to become an NBA player, they've got to work on what's going to get them to that level. And I think that's that kind of the situation right there where are there players who have made it to the NBA simply just as shooters? Yes, it used to be more back in the day versus now we don't see a ton of players who are strictly that's all I do. I shoot. You put me in the corner, I shoot the ball. And using these two players as an example, one we continue to train in secret. That was the one who yep. was in the workout and they've enjoyed a successful career in the NBA. The other one who was just watching because he was afraid of being kicked out of practice in the same way, he made it. He got drafted. Never went yeah. on. It was complete. Actually, I don't even think he was drafted. I think he was undrafted, signed, and waived. Oh, okay. And he never <clears throat> became anything besides just a shooter. And so it can work, but it's risky. But the whole, the whole issue is that this coach really felt the need to shut it down. Coaches really do tell players to stop improving. Absolutely. Don't improve that area. We don't need it. We don't want it. I only want you working on this. Well, we just talked about this in the last podcast a little bit of the whole concept of like addition, like by subtraction and stuff like that. And that's kind of the concept. They feel like they're helping you out by just pigeon cornering you into like just this one thing. This is what you're already decent at. So let's just just roll on this. But but again, with getting to that next level, there's got to be something there that's more than just, hey, I can do this one thing. Like that's what I'm good at. Yeah, it's the fear, and we've talked about this before. It's the fear that if we give a player a skill, they're going to use it. Yeah. And I don't want them to use it, so I'm just going to go ahead and ban them from working on their game. And we've, we've come across this so many times. There was another situation of, of an individual that I was training at another very prestigious university, and he was a highly recruited high school player, and he actually left to go to the NBA early. And he, he made it. He enjoyed a few years in the NBA. But he left his college program simply because his prestigious college coach wouldn't let him practice anything except his role. Wouldn't let him expand his skill sets. And so he looked through the, his own crystal ball and said, I'm not going to make it unless I leave. So he knew he wasn't going to – he had the potential. He didn't go drafted, but he signed later. And he enjoyed a successful NBA career. If he would have been able to stay in college and developing his game, he probably would have been a lottery pick. But this happens all the time, and this happens at the highest of levels. Absolutely. And it also happens at Division threes. How often have we been seeing that players, not only in college, but even at the NBA level, searching for gyms outside of their school just so they can actually work on their game without somebody telling them, like, hey, no, I don't want you doing that? One of our best secrets is that we train college players – in secret. Yeah. <laughs> like we have to. Because <laughs> a lot of times they cannot publicly show their coaches they're working on things that their coach doesn't want them to do. But I've never had any problem working on the players who are the stars. The players who are allowed to do everything they want, their coaches will let them train because they want them to open up their skill sets. It's the shooters a lot of times. It's the guys that they want to sit in that corner and shoot. That's all they want them to do. That they're like, no, no, I don't want them working on that. And, and I actually ran into this really, really early before I was even in the ability where I was training 
prestigious players or high rank players. Right when I started as a trainer, I was training a division three player. I'm, I'm excited. I'm talking to their coach. And I was like, man, this kid's athletic. He's like six foot seven. He was a shooter. And I was like, man, we can really open up his game. You know, he wants to play overseas. And, and the coach completely, no, 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 no. What are you, what are you doing? He's my shooter. Don't do that. Like he, he's got to work on his role for us. This is what he's going to do. I don't want you distracting him. And I was like, what are you talking about? He wants to play overseas. He has the ability to. He's athletic. If you would let him put the ball on the floor, he can make it. And the coach literally looked at my faces, face and said, I don't want him to make it. I want us to win. And that happens. It happens at the low levels. It happens at the highest levels. It's very frequent. And players, you need to know this and prepare for this because you have to have a plan against it. And, and this, this, a lot of times in our culture, almost gets thrown under as like a negative, you know, like, hey, team first. <laughs> but there is a balance of that that we have to always talk about. And the, the, ba- the balance is key. And, 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 I mean, this goes in our sports. And I, and I think that at times we're starting to see coaches who do understand this a little bit more, though. And I, and I, and I think it's kind of all across sports, like, like even football, like Detroit Lions has more of a player's coach. They have a coach that's more about like what the players are doing, developing the players. So there are starting to be those, those coaches that are coming up that are like, okay, like I may need you to do this for the team, but let's also get you working on this stuff too. Because we've, we've definitely met coaches that have been very into like player development. We have coaches reach out all the time through yep. social media that like, hey, love what you guys are doing. How many former NBA players have been reaching out to us that are like, they get it. Like they're like, hey, I went through my entire career. Like, sure, I made it to the NBA but I feel like I could have done so much more in the NBA had I been working on X, Y, and Z. So many players have the story of being held back yeah. when they got to college. We, I, and, and I'm never going to mention the names of the conversations we no. had. One former NBA player recently reached out and said, hey, when I got to college, I was no longer allowed to be who I was in high school. I developed a whole different game, and they did make it to the NBA. But when he looks back, he's like, man, I could have been so much more. I got the floater taken away from me. I got this taken away from me. I had to just do these few things for this particular coach. And, okay, I'm all right with a coach saying this is what you're going to do in the game. Mm -hmm. But what I'm not all right with is the coach saying this is what you're not going to do in your training. And we can't allow this stuff to be taken away from players because when they do get to the next level, they need to have those so-called skills in their bag and, and be able to use it later on. And coaches are killing players' dreams by taking that part of it. In and that's exactly what it is. It's like coaches being like, like, yeah, I like you as a player, but I don't truly believe that you can do anything really past this. And if you do, they're already trying to predict. They're trying to project that, like, if you make it to the next level, it'll be because you do this. That was a perfect segue mm-hmm. into my second title. And that is, your coach doesn't want you to fail, they just don't believe you can succeed. That is the reality of that type of situation, where a coach will basically look at you. And this was another one. So let's go another story time. Another ACC gym, different coach, different program. Similar circumstance. I'm training a shooter. This shooter was athletic. I had been training him through high school, and then now I was training him in college. But he was a shooter but he was an athlete shooter and they literally shut down our workouts and told the player that it was a violation NCAA violation to train with me. Right. Which of course was a lie. Yeah. Now 
Once again, I was no stranger to this facility. I was training other players for this program, star players, without a problem. So all of a sudden I get a shooter that they don't want to do anything else, and they tell them it's a violation to train. People are real sensitive about their shooters. I'm telling you. And these are real stories. People a lot of times just don't think this happens. Oh, no one will do that. And if I said the coach's names in these, people would be like, no way. Oh, yeah. They were, you know, good-hearted. They care about the kids. Yeah. Best, best, best coaches <laughs> out there of all time. Right. So here's the issue. When they actually met with me on it, they said these words. He's a shooter. He doesn't have those other things in him. He'll never be able to handle the ball. He'll never be able to do this. He doesn't have it. And so what that means is they don't want the player to fail. They just simply don't believe they in don't them. They don't think he can do it. And that's another issue we have in training in the training world from coaches and trainers. When we put our biased opinions, when we project that onto the players, and we say, we don't really believe you can make it, so we're only going to give you this package. We're obviously, that's where we're, we are the complete opposite. Obviously, we're, we're helping them fulfill the dream. And I think this is where even trainers, even outside of coaches, really, really, really struggle with this is they don't believe players can actually get better. So a lot of times people watch stuff that we have players do. Like, obviously, you know, we'll show them a clip of Kyrie finishing. Be like, hey, kind of like we were joking about, let's get this finish in your bag. Yep. Where people don't believe you can obtain that. But we give players that skill for them to go home, work on, let's get this in your game. Most people have a problem with that because they just don't believe players can pull that off. So they try to give them the bare minimum. And then, like we always say, if anything special comes out of it, they'll be like, oh, it, you know, it's because you worked on these basic things and then you magically, well, no, it's typically the player just figured that out on their own, where we're giving players those things. And our expectation is, is you actually go and work on it. That's the difference, I think, with our training is like, it's all depicting upon this is the player's dream. You come to us. This is what you want. This is what we're going to give you the tools to pull off. Now it's on you to actually go and master this stuff and do something with it. Right. I, I get so physically and mentally fatigued by people who underestimate human beings. Oh. I mean, I am so tired of kids being doubted, of kids being put into uh, you know that umbrella statement of this is your potential, this is your peak, because we have seen over and over and over again with the players that we train of them doing things that we didn't even think they could do. Oh, happens all the time. Uh, it's, it's crazy. I remember one, in North Carolina when I was training a, a young homeschool kid, it was the type of kid who I was – Literally would have said, if I wanted to speak just from my own opinion, please don't. Yeah, <laughs> you're move not on. Gonna, you're not going to be a basketball Choose player. Choose a different sport. You are as yep. prototypical homeschool as it gets. You're goofy. You're, you're, you're little. You're slow. You, I mean, yeah. you're, nothing, you got nothing going nothing. for you. Yeah. There was nothing. But he worked really, really hard. And after four or five years of training, he was a beast. Ended up playing college basketball. I think and I remember he, this kid. Yeah, he was awesome. He played college basketball, and, and by the way, that was a miracle because he should not have. And everyone who would have looked at that kid, including myself, would have said, don't. You, yeah. you don't have it. it. But when you actually just overestimate human beings and kids, it's amazing what happens. The stuff people can pull off. And, and that's the hard part, too, is just like, like, I don't know if it's the societal thing. I don't know if it's the nature of negativity that's going on around the world, but like, it's it's like the old school saying of like, you know, everything's impossible until somebody does it. And right. then that kid just like we've always talked about, that kid just becomes the, the what do you want to call it? The exception. He's just right. the exception to the rule. Like it was just freak happening. 
when a kid actually put his mind to something and was like, I want this, I want to do this versus I, I think people focus on the other side. Like we talk about, okay, you give players skills, you give players this, but they don't really go and work on it. Yeah. Not our fault. We did our part. We gave you what you needed. Now as a player, you do have somewhat of a responsibility yourself to pull it off. And that's what that kid did. Right. He trained with you. He probably trained with a couple other trainers and then he actually went and worked on what you had him doing. He was able to make the final finishing touches and apply it to the game, which obviously has to happen. Absolutely. But it never would happen if we don't give him those tools. And I, I call it crystal ball training. A lot of trainers are literally trying to be oracles. Mm -hmm. They look into their crystal ball for a player. They decide their peak. They decide their role. And this happens when they're 9 and 10 years old. And they're like, this is going to be who you have to be in order to be successful. And so they train according to the role. Role-based training at young ages is, is dream suicide. And we have to stop that from, from happening. And letting people just understand, look, you can give everyone these skills and give them a chance. Let them figure out over time who they're going to be as a basketball player. It's not the coach's job to look into the crystal ball. It's the player's job to, to put in the training, put in the work, go through the journey, and then see where they fall. And then later in some time, they might accept a role. But at least they had a chance with all the skills and the same opportunities as everyone else. And that, that's the main issue I think that's happening in the basketball world, whether or not coaches that mean well or trainers, is that they're trying to predict the future for kids before they even train them. And, and like we were talking about, this is happening at every level. It's not, it's not just middle school. It's not just little kids. It's not just you know high schoolers, college players. It's, it's pros. It's NBA players, too. It's, and I, I think this is why, you know, we see great players at the college level and they make it off their resume to the NBA. And then we're like, man, they were such a good college player. What happened to them in the NBA? It's like sometimes these players, because they've been held back, the only way they succeed is if they end up in the right situation where that's where development, I think, is just uh, like beyond some people sometimes is just because. We've seen so many great college players fail in the NBA that they don't believe development's a real thing. Yeah, the NBA world especially is so locked in that they're, they're mainly, mainly selecting naturals. Yep. They're mainly how well you pick their future rather than how well you can actually develop them. As, long, as much as they actually throw the word development around, it's not really happening all that much. And so many NBA guys get drafted and they get put into a certain role. Because they've already decided this is what they're going to do. And then they never develop outside that role. So you never really get to see what they could have been if you really let them put, put the ball in their hands more. They don't have the James Harden opportunities to dribble for 10 seconds. They don't have the ability to even uh, associate with that type of freedom. And then they have to try to break out of that role after two, three years, which is extremely hard to do. And so that's one of the main issues in the NBA. It's not that they're necessarily even drafting all that bad. They're putting their draft picks in these awful situations, these awful roles, training them according to the role, and then expecting them to someday flip the switch and become who they drafted them to be. And so it's still, it all comes down to the same issue. They don't really believe in development. And so they're just hoping that they can pick the right guy that ends up producing later on. But if they produce later on, it's because of development. Then they'll take the credit for the development. Yep, absolutely. That is the process that happens. But look, I, I, was, I remember talking to an Under Armour executive years ago when we were more connectly you know, tied to, to Under Armour and talking about Steph Curry. And he refused to ever acknowledge that Steph worked or trained to become who he was. It was always, yeah, but 
He's Dell's kid. It's in his genes. And that was his mentality. And that's what so that's that is like a perfect picture of the NBA. Is they're it's like they're racehorses. Not that they're actually working on themselves. They don't even think it's even part of the equation. Oh, is Steph Curry working to become the greatest shooter of all but, time? No, but, no, no, no. He's Dell's kid. But here's my question then. Where are all the other former NBA players' kids? It's hit and miss. <laughs> like it, It's a large hit and miss. Like, Does it give you an upper hand? For sure. Because you grow up around the game. You've been around it. You have access to these facilities. Like, It does give you a little bit of an upper hand. But does it guarantee that you're going to be... Like Steph, the greatest shooter of all time, just because your dad's a former NBA player. And no. we've had NBA players bring us their kids Absolutely. because they're not able to figure out how, wait a minute, this worked for me. It's not working for them because mm-hmm. they don't know how to necessarily teach the inner details of everything. They don't know how to fill in the gap, so they bring their kids to us. So obviously, yeah, genetics is a part of it, but it's, it just really comes down to this mindset of really just not believing development is really a thing. And that is the NBA. And so that trickles down when you really believe that someone either has it or they don't. When you believe they're a dog or they're just not, that ends up being the DNA. That becomes the culture. We got to change that. And Steph should be an example of how to train yourself into greatness. He does tennis ball with with ball handling. He does coordinative work. He does innovative training. He takes, you know, a lot of shots, obviously. He's working. And he should be someone who is known for work. He should be known for Mamba-like work. Well, they just talked about this with Damian Lillard, too. So they were talking about, you know, Damian Lillard's hitting these, you know, half quarters, you know, the sidestep, the slide step on uh, Paul George a couple years ago. One of his former players was talking about after every single practice, he's working on those shots. It's not magic. Oh, it's not like natural. It's, yeah, it's not natural. It's he's actually working on these things, and that that should be the, the the talk with players. Patrick Ewing had a great one in a game a couple you know years ago. He basically told the player like, not necessarily that it was a bad shot because it was a bad shot. It was a bit bad shot because he's never seen the kid work, work on it. it. Like, right. And I think that's the thing is like that should be more and more the message of these players where like, hey, like yes, that was a bad shot. But simply because I've never seen you work on that shot before, where if you get in the gym and you start working on that, now as a coach, you know, I'm going to have a little bit more faith in you actually taking that shot. Versus we try to go the opposite route of just shut players down. Don't even let them try to work on this and get this in their game. Just focus on the things that I need you to do. Because, of course, the team is the most important important thing of all. (laughs) So that is going to be a whole different episode. So the big message players... Work on your game. Even when your coach doesn't believe in you, even when the coach is putting the team above you, which they're going to have to, you got to find time for you, which means you're going to have to check out some future episodes where we go over that game plan. So thanks for joining us in another episode of the Dream Loudly podcast, an impossible original show. And of course, there's going to be more uh, news soon about what the Dream Loudly Foundation is all about. We'll see you next time.